0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: He turns. He
2: fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Bibby has the open shot. Yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your...
3: Welcome to the King's Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Joining me today, we have Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you?
1: I'm great. Raise I'm a candle fantastic. if
3: you got it. Raise a candle if you got it. Well, of
1: course I've got my candle, podcast candle. Coco Paradise. <laughs> hmm. Bath and Body Works. We are so random. And,
3: of course, Ooh, joining us right. as well is Brenda Nunez from the Kings Falls Podcast. Brenda, how are you?
4: Good, good. You guys tried to get rid of me the last couple episodes, but you can't. I'm here to stay with my waterfall candle. Clearance sticker Hold still on. on it.
1: That came from a liquor store.
0: Dude, <laughs> I,
4: I only buy <laughs> candles on clearance, so. I or on sale. You. I think that's the best way to buy a candle. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I,
3: I'm I guarantee not... you, though,
1: this one is top shelf. This is fantastic. Oh. All right, all right.
3: Uh, welcome in everybody. Uh, I'm glad to see both of you. It's been a little while since the three of us have been together. I think it's actually been like three episodes. Uh, one where it's just me and Brendan, and then two where it was Sean and I. I. Uh, but it's good to have all of us together. What's going on? How is everybody?
1: Well, I haven't seen Brendan in a while, so I'm a little concerned. About what? Like, what have you been up to, pal?
4: Just avoiding you guys every, any way I can, really. Um, <laughs> successfully, if I might add. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Settled into the new job. That's going well. I uh, feel like list. I belong. You know, Congratulations. Yeah, We're
3: excited
1: for your it. new job. They'll get to know so. you, and that'll change really quickly. Yeah, it's okay. yeah.
4: But I got a grace period <laughs> for a little while, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just
3: make the 90-day cutoff, and once you get past probation, then, mm. you know, let it rip. Just do whatever you got to do, Brennan. Do whatever you got to do. I will keep that in mind. (laughs) All right. So let's get take care of the business. If you're watching here on YouTube, we'd love it if you gave us a thumbs up. Uh, Subscribe to the channel. You're probably going to need to subscribe in order to comment. Uh, Maybe not because we're not doing a live show. Um, Jump on board with The King's Beat. Go to thekingspeed.com, Become a premium subscriber. Uh, we had a happy hour like ten days ago, with Deuce and Mo. That was super fun. We'll have another one coming up soon. Uh, maybe we'll do a location thing. I don't know. We're it's like
1: you keep saying that. I don't believe you anymore. We're trying to
3: balance. I- I'm trying to balance the work, 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 uh, and a little bit of life, uh, like thing right now, which has not been the easiest. But uh, I don't know. We're rolling. We're rolling right. <laughs> yeah. When we
4: do a live oh. show,
1: we'll really be rolling. Okay, yeah. that'll be the day. I think Brendan and I are going to protest until we get that uh, <laughs> in-person live show. We just, like James, like we got our happy hour, and we just go no, no, we turn our backs. Yeah, we need to hour.
3: do an in-person <laughs> live show. Uh, it's just like figuring it all out. It's a bit of a mess. Like uh, just again, um, again
1: doesn't have to be a live show. I mean, it'd be not, it'd be kind of cool, but
3: that's true. Hangout? We could just Let's do a live, a live yeah. hangout. Okay, yeah. maybe that's what we do, and we don't have to do a live. We don't have to have equipment. Bro, we instead.
1: say this every time. Then he always goes, that's true. As if it's that's the first true. time he fucking heard it. No, <laughs>
0: we've talked about this
3: several times already. Sean, <laughs> the children, man. The children. Oh, what three are the Wilcox in. children going to think? You drop an F-bomb in the first five minutes. Uh, three minutes and 45 seconds in, Sean has already been eliminated by the YouTube monster. They should know. Uh, that now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we got lots to talk about. The, the cool thing about... Like I, I like reactionary shows where we do a show right after like a um uh, a pregame a preseason game. But to be honest with you, this one since no one went to Vancouver at all to represent Sacramento media, I kind of feel like we needed to like pull back a couple of days and then wait until we got Mike Brown to have some of this conversation, if that makes sense. And I I, I think we got some answers today. I'm not sure we got all the answers today. Um, We seem to be wasting some questions in our media circles, and I'm not sure what's happening. But uh, when it comes to the Sasha Vazenkov thing, we're going to start here. Sasha, like throughout camp, we can see sort of the guys wearing different colored jerseys, right? So we have black jerseys, which represent the starters. We have blue jerseys, which represent the third team. We have red jerseys that represent the second team and then what else is there brendan gray gray is second team yeah gray is second team okay black red, gray
4: team. blue red blue red
3: okay and so we've seen some sean is back after mysteriously disappearing i will disappear
1: uh, probably twice more if what, what are you, are you cooking uh, yeah what it's are you cooking? like uh some uh some actual some there's a it's a uh, pasta deal pasta deal with also some uh reheating of some wings so Ooh, there's a, chef. a couple a couple things that we're kind of doing at the, the at the same time so i didn't know you know. were a culinary <laughs> expert I'm gonna burn down the damn place uh, <laughs> but yeah i'll be up there a couple other times for the youtube viewer you'll never notice it on the audio so let's just keep going i went
3: on let's a show. hit on espn one oh, time there go. and I was also, before the hit, I was making a grilled cheese for my son. I got totally caught up in everything. I ran downstairs, went and started the hit. And then I sat, I heard the smoke detector go off and I had to sprint upstairs in the middle of a live hit to pull the grilled cheese off the oven that I'd left on still. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. Those things happen. Um, so
4: Sean's over there burning, burning we'll shit. Be okay. yeah. You're over
3: there burning, burning stuff.
4: But uh, to your point of the rotations, um, the, the groupings yes. that we saw today, at least from, from what I gathered, and you know we're just kind of catching the end here, so keep in mind they could have changed jerseys throughout the course of the practice. But what we saw at the end was typical first lineup, Fox Herder, Barnes, Murray Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Second group, same as we have seen recently, Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, Christo Trey Lyles, JaVale McGee. Third group today was Jordan Ford, in place of Keon Ellis. So Ford, Colby Jones, Kessler Edwards, Sasha Vazenkov, Alex Len, and fourth group, Keon Ellis, Jalen Noel, Deontay Burton, Jalen Slosson,
1: and Chance Comanche. Okay. I so, have two things to say really quickly. One, that's actually pretty impressive that you were able to rattle all that off. But... Like, who cares, right? I agree. Who... who <laughs> I don't mean to be the guy that just pisses on the parade. I'm just – there's so much overreaction to one preseason game. There's so much overreaction to um, who wears what color jersey. And even what Mike Brown, I was almost grimacing for – my as Mike Brown was – and I know we're going to get to those comments in a minute. But I was almost grimacing for Mike Brown as he talked about Sasha Vizenkov and, and where he fits in the rotation after – one preseason game and it's like he's answering the question honestly and i think it should be taken that way i think there's going to be a lot of people who blow those comments out of not only context but out of proportion i mean think of last year what you learned from keegan murray and him having to kind of earn his spot a little bit and come off the bench you've got some people who've been on that roster for a little while and you kind of have to let things play out plus yeah the team looked like shit in the preseason game as most teams tend to do and uh Remember, this team started off 0 and 4, and they still finished third in the West. So, just I just hope people remember stuff like that when they get overly analytical about what they're seeing. In, in uh, and I don't mean it to you, Brendan, at all. I'm not. I don't mean it like that. But I just think I feel like we have to get out ahead of that before people start to really chisel away and start really overreacting to to certain things. Don't you guys agree? Sean wants to break out into "Wish
3: you would step back from that ledge, my friend." Isn't that about yeah. suicide? It's about I, I suicide, right? Jumper, maybe it sounds like it. Yeah, I yeah. don't know, but there are there are certain Kings fans that like live and die by this stuff, and I get it. Like, especially we go through a game, and and everyone's panicking. Like, why is Sasha not in the game? We got to ask him. We got to ask Mike about it. But I I felt like I wanted to ask him about it on Saturday. And I didn't feel well during our media scrum, um, but there was also a bunch of weirdness in our media scrum on Saturday, and really the you don't remember the weirdness of Saturday. We don't, you know. We'll just fast forward through that then, Sean. Um, I don't remember. You don't remember. I think I do. Okay, we did have a long discussion about the nineteenth man on the roster, but that's okay. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember now. So, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, the That would question, be a good though, example of what I was just talking about, right?
3: Yes, yes. Seeing so, Jalen
1: Slosson play well in one game or in one scrimmage that you happen to get two-minute peak of does not tell a whole story.
3: No, no. And, and so my point isn't really that. It, as much as I was sitting there, like, ready to ask about whether Sasha was going to get treated – a little bit like Keegan Murray did last year uh, going into preseason because we had seen him not with the second team. And, you know, again, Mike Brown started KZ Paula the first three games of the season last year. People seem to forget that. KZ Paula started and Keegan Murray did not. And Keegan played 80 games. He started 79 of those the the first three games he didn't start. And so for me, I was kind of wondering the same thing. Like, are you... There have been people here in the gym working out all summer long and you have to give them an opportunity because they've done the work and they've done the work in your gym to be here and to do the things that you've asked to learn the playbook, to do all the the finer nuances of fitting in with this squad. And Sasha wasn't here and he got here a couple of weeks ago. And so they're ramping him up, but like we saw it in, in game one, like the, the most rudimentary play that the Kings have is where a guy has a ball on like the right extended elbow outside the three point line. And he walks the ball over to his buddy who's in the corner and the guy in the corner comes through and uses that guy as a screener, as a DHO gets a handoff and goes around the top. That's when Sabonis comes out and sets another screen. Well, Sasha keeps leaving his post and going down and doing these cuts. I think we all appreciate the cuts and the cuts are incredible, but at the same time, he's not doing what everyone else is doing, which is why Kessler Edwards threw the ball into the first row. And so there's a lot to picking up at the, the nuances of the offensive, learning the defensive sets of all these things. And I don't think anyone should have a knee-jerk reaction because even Sean getting up and saying, I will not listen to this, uh he's going to get food <laughs> out of the oven. <laughs> Uh, For those of you who are not watching on YouTube, you're probably wondering why we're laughing because Sean just gets up and walks away. Uh, But, Brendan, you understand what I'm saying? Like, this feels like
4: business as usual in a Mike Brown's training camp. It does. I mean, Sasha said since day one that this was going to be a process. He knew that it was going to take time. He constantly repeats it's just about getting better every day, whether that means... practice or a game or or anything he's just about getting better every day and he said himself since the beginning that this was going to be a process and i feel like we've heard the same things from the coaching staff there's an adjustment to the nba game itself coach brown today talked about how he needs to learn tendencies of opponents a little bit better and guys that he could likely end up matching up with and then offensively you know there's still going to be some growing pains with this second unit like Duarte is is new and if Sasha is in that group there's a little bit of getting used to as well so I do think that we've kind of been hearing the entire time this was going to be a process for Sasha and that's what it's looked like he seems accepting of that and the coaching staff is approaching it that way. Sean, is there anything that, that you've noticed that you're just like,
3: oh my goodness, that that's not going to work when it comes to Sasha? Because for me, no. it's not that. It's just like getting used to everything.
1: No, it there it's 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 a lot of chemistry, it's a lot of uh personnel, it's a lot of um the NBA game, which I honestly don't think is going to be that difficult for him. I, I think um I, I think certainly you're gonna see some growing pains, and yes, this is a rookie season, but um I, th- I think he's going to fit in probably pretty fine. Uh, I think the preseason is for all the tinkering. And I think the one uh, interesting thing about these next few weeks, and I think Mike Brown uh, uh, kind of shed some light on it today, which was, you know, the fact that the starters, as expected, he doesn't have to tinker there. He doesn't have to bring a guy into the starting lineup, see what it looks like. He knows what he has. Uh, And, and barring some major setback with those starters, that's uh, those guys who ended out the last year um, will be the starter unit for this season, uh, barring any injury or major setback. So uh, this, the figuring out of the second and third units, and really you don't figure out a third unit because those are the, you know, break in case of emergency, break glass in case of emergency, or you have something terribly go wrong because you're not going to go that deep into your roster. And I think, yeah, you're going to probably see some games where Sasha doesn't play. Maybe you see a game where Sasha goes to, dare I even say Stockton, uh, to kind of figure out some things. But the 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 overarching theme here is it's going to be development for him. I think he can do both because of his experience and because of his maturity as a player and as a human being. And uh, he's incredibly bright. Like His basketball IQ um, is pretty off the charts, it appears. So Uh, I don't think the Kings front office coaching staff, or even his teammates look at him and go, Oh, he's a lost cause. Or, Oh, the, the training wheels are going to have to stay on for a long, long time, or he's going to have to be brought on slowly. I think it's just a natural progression of while he learns, you might have some people who are a little bit further along, but you just let the, you just let things kind of take naturally. And as everyone saw, he can shoot the hell out of the ball. Um, But, It's more to that. You have to do a little bit more to that. And there's a big focus on defense and physicality and transition defense and, you know, defending without fouling. And uh, there's a lot of details that that are going to have to be picked up along the way.
4: And I'll just add that, like, Coach Brown was very black and white with his units in this game. You know, it was mainly first guys playing together, second guys playing together, third playing together, fourth playing together. And there was some overlap. Like, there were a couple minutes Sasha, Trey, and Alex Lynn all shared the floor. Um, But it's not going to be that black and white in the regular season. You know, it's not hockey subs.
3: Yeah, we're not going to see line changes. I totally totally get what you're saying there, Brandon. And and Mike talked about it today. He said there's going to be times where – the second unit is Fox and Malik, and uh, he just step, kept going. He was like JaVale McGee and Keegan Murray and, you know, maybe it's Kessler Edwards. Like, you have no idea. He's like, there's going to be different combinations. And what I'm you're seeing right now is group, the first five are playing and then the second five. And I thought he left the second five out there a really long time because he didn't like what he was seeing, but he wanted to see them play through it a bit. So they ended up playing like a 13-minute stretch together between the late first and early second quarters. And they they gave up an 8-0 run to end the, the first quarter and then got eaten alive in the early second quarter. And it was like, holy cow, this group is not playing well. And they were doing some weird things, which, like, I don't know about you guys, but it made me, like, scratch my head. Like, what is JaVale <laughs> McGee doing out on, like, basically trying yeah. to be Demonis Sabonis but he's not doing the DHO he's trying to like throw bounce passes to cutters and I'm like what is happening like we don't need the shocked in the fool uh, like version of this experiment we also don't need to see Dwayne Dedman if you remember Dwayne Dedman's first game I think he had 6 turnovers for the Sacramento Kings and did this exact same thing so we got to get past this whatever's happening there but that second unit, I think it, it's gonna morph. It's gonna be different at all times, and like I don't think we know who it is yet. And I, I'm also, I'm a little surprised that we're still seeing so much Trey Lyles and JaVale McGee together, as opposed to one of those guys being, uh, you know, like either or. Yeah,
1: uh, it's be- it's it's a good thing on it's get stuff on tape, you know, against some opposition, yeah. and that's why the preseason opener and and. I would imagine they're going to go into this game pretty similarly, which is they want to make sure that everybody plays. Um, I, I, you know, obviously the Jeremy Lamb move happens and, and he's gone now, but everyone's still healthy, and I think they're going to try to get everybody into the into into Wednesday's game against the Lakers as well. Um, but those next three games will start to look a little bit more tightened up. I, I would i would it would i would hope at least and that's what we saw at least last year with with mike brown and and kind of his system and what he his philosophy for preseason contests so um the, it it i think it's really really tough to get an accurate read when you're playing twenty people you know because even oh yeah those minutes are so much more magnified whereas you know, let's just use Sasha for, as an ex- for an example. Since we were talking about him, he might have had 18 to 20 minutes to where he could have played with upper echelon opponents, as or I mean upper upper echelon teammates, as opposed to people who might be deeper in the uh, in the roster and might find them and obviously will find themselves in the G League or on different teams or just not in the league. So um, that that you kind of take that with with a grain of salt as well, and uh, because those will have impacts on the way your player will play. And, uh, I expect it to be kind of similar Wednesday, but now that you'll get some tape, they'll shrink up the roster a little bit. And those remaining three games might look a little bit more like what you come to see in the early go of the season.
3: Yeah. I want to take on uh, two things really quick there. Number one, Jeremy Lamb was waived. Uh, well, he wasn't there today, so I haven't looked at the official register, but league source confirmed to me, Jeremy Lamb. Was being waived yesterday by the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, the, it was official
1: yesterday. It, they, yeah. It's on the wire and all that. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, the hope is that he will show up in Stockton and play with the Stockton Kings. I'm not sure how that works out because I think the Kings still own his NBA rights, but I don't know about the G League stuff. That that one there is different because he's a seasoned veteran. That like I don't think he would have to go through the draft process, but maybe he does. Either way. This was the plan all along was Jeremy Lamb was only going to be in camp for a couple of days. And then like they didn't know how long it would be. But, it, you know, this is kind of what they expected. Um, you get through the first preseason game and then it's time. And, and it's not that he did anything wrong. It's just that like this is a minimum scale, like probably Exhibit 10, maybe maybe a little bit more money than Exhibit 10, but probably not because then you can't allocate him to the G League. Um, So just want to clear that up. He is gone. The King's roster is now at 20. I don't expect them to add anybody so they can, unless they were going to add somebody just to cut them so they can send them to their G league affiliate. Um, But they've already done that with quite a few players. The G league team is already pretty set. I don't know. Lots of players going to be, be there. Um, The second thing is we haven't really mentioned this. First of all, training camp was moved way up. Like, I, I don't know what was going on here. Like we're used to, Like media day is the first, the last Monday of every September, and uh, training camp starts the next day. So we're used to this being where we are right now, like the second week of training camp. And like they would have had one preseason game, but it would have been like eight days in, not like five days in, if that makes sense. So it feels like everything's been moved up, which I don't think is a great thing for a lot of teams in the league. And it's not a great thing for players like Sasha Vazenkov, who's trying to figure out how to fit in. But it's a good thing because the Kings starters know exactly what they're doing, and they look like the well-oiled machine that we thought they would be. Um, so, Brandon, we, did we miss anything? It seems like there was one other thing Sean said that that we
4: had to like maybe parse through a little bit. I don't remember. It might have been what he's cooking, uh, but no. Um, I think that the second unit... To, to go to that a little bit in the struggles that they had, like Malik that we got to talk to today mentioned that, you know, Duarte and McGee are new and so much of their offense does run through the big. And, you know, to your point earlier, James, maybe he should be a little more pick and roll than dribble handoff with his skill set, but we will see. But I really think it has a lot to do with Duarte and McGee when it came to what we saw in that second unit, just needing to get a custom to this offense and De'Aaron Fox said today you know so much of their offense since it's so read and react is you have to understand the tendencies of your own teammates and which guys like to cut when they like to um, and, and things like that and I think we saw some of those growing pains with with those two guys but you know to your point of maybe a little bit shorter camp I'm sure that has an impact and it's just gonna take a little bit of time
3: yeah I'd also point out too that Chris Duarte while he's played a ton relative to his career. Like uh, the first year and a half in the league, you play with DeMontis Sabonis. He is not playing with DeMontis Sabonis right now. He's playing against him most of the time in practice, and he's not playing with him in in games. He's with the second unit, now with the first unit. That's the way it's going to be. Like there's going to be times where, again, they overlap, but you're not going to see Duarte and and Sabonis in the starting lineup, at least I I can't imagine, just because that's that's the starters are the starters on this team. The guys who finished the season last year, they're going to start the season until someone says that they can't do something right uh, for a prolonged period of time. And Mike Brown has to choose a different route. I don't even foresee that like barring injury. I think the starters could start like if, if everyone was healthy, they'd start 82 games together. Um, I don't think there is a way for someone to crack in. Uh, Maybe I'm, I'm wrong there, but I think that kind of puts the onus on, a guy like Chris Duarte to figure things out with JaVale, figure things out with Trey Lyle, start building chemistry with that second unit, because that's really where his opportunity is going to
4: lie, at least early in the season. I think a chemistry we have seen in that second unit pretty early on is JaVale McGee and Malik Monk. You know, it was a pretty Ooh. obvious connection. What is that from, by the way? I missed this. Okay, the so jersey
1: numbers.
3: The jersey numbers. So God. So Malik goes, yeah, see, I'm number zero, and JaVale is number double zero. And JaVale said, what does that mean? That means, I think he said, oh, either that or ooh. One of the two. Uh, yeah, that, that was him on media day. Um, not not yeah. a great
4: line from Big Daddy Wookiee. Yeah, all right. Sorry, Big Daddy Wookiee. <laughs> oh, no. You heard me. Can oh.
1: you can you explain that and repeat that?
4: Uh, basketball reference is my full explanation. That's, that's where we learned about things like Shavano,
3: and the fact well, that no, Shavano, that's his real name. Well, I know. <laughs> a, I,
1: what are you talking did about? Did you know that's... his
3: name was Shavano before? Yes.
1: Shivano Rainier healed. I knew it on, I knew it on draft day. And that's why I was like, why does the okay. guy go by buddy? Cause I, I, you've got the coolest name ever. And you decided to go by buddy. Like the elf. Well, like, why? why did
3: you also not catch
1: that he was a year older than he actually said he was? Well, that part was a little harder <laughs> to figure out, but I'm sure. What was it again, Brendan?
4: Uh, something about a Wookiee. Big, not his
1: real name, but <laughs> Daddy
4: Wookiee? Is that? What you said? I would like yeah. you
1: to ask him that, oh, that or know. where yeah. the origin story of that came from, and if he's familiar with it.
3: I will. I okay, will ask him that. if he'll also do the Wookiee noise. No, hmm. that a little too. Far. He
4: probably. He might. He might. He might do it. Yeah, I, I would like to see it. Yeah, but yeah, the pick and roll duo of him and Malik, I think that's pretty obvious coming into the year that there was going to be some potential there. You know, Malik likes to throw the lob. He's really good in the pick and roll. JaVale McGee's tall, long, athletic, and able to go up there and convert lobs and put the ball through the hoop from the dunker spot. So, you know, a lot of guys seem to be pretty optimistic about that. I still think there's going to be some very erratic moments. You'll get a lot of highlights with that duos, but probably a decent amount of blunders too. It's just about getting more of the former than the latter. But, you know, pretty early on, we saw, I think, right away, they ran two pick-and-rolls and converted on both of them.
3: Yeah, I think we're going to see a ton of pick-and-rolls. Uh, Mike Brown talked about that today at practice. He, he he said that Malik Monk is either the number one or, like, in the top two or three best pick-and-roll guys in the league. Um, and Fox
1: said he's the best. Yeah, I mean, and, and you see it. Like, I, I watching him and Domas work last year was – Terrific in the in the dribble handoff with the two man game that they have is very, very effective. I don't I'm not as high on the JaVale McGee side aspect of that. I don't know that you can run the same action a lot. Certainly the pick and roll um, you saw it, but you also saw it kind of stumble at times as Brennan alluded to like, but I think it's so much more impactful with Domas there, obviously. Uh, the two of them, I, I have all utmost confidence in running that in that two man game. I don't know that, you know, running uh, McGee that way would be the answer more times than not. I just feel like getting him involved on the offensive end, um, even if it's just getting the ball in his hands once or twice with the great ball movement that I think that they showed even in the preseason opener. I think that that, that could even be even better. Um, but just getting him active around the basket, I think is where you have success with JaVale McGee. And I think Malik, because of the attention he draws, I mean, shoot, even if the, even if it's a floater that, that, that gets up there and doesn't convert, I have confidence that McGee can finish.
3: Yeah. I'm with you. Like JaVale as a, as a lob threat is, it can be elite. Like he's a lot of fun to watch in the air. Like he's a guy who like throughout his career has been a highlight reel. Now, like, how does it all work? I- I'm still not sure that I understand how all of these pieces are going to fit together. Um, like, is is that a real pairing, the Trey Lyles and and uh, and JaVale McGee uh, pairing up front? I- I'm not sure. Can Sasha Vazenkov play the three? Because we saw that for a long stretch, and that that again like opens another wrinkle to this game. Like, and, and even more questions. If he can play the three, what does that mean for Chris Duarte? Like there just seems to be a lot of players and Mike Brown still has a lot to figure out. Like, how do you put all these things together? Because it's not, again, it's not going to be line changes changes. It's not going to be like, okay, new five guys. It's going to be this whole fluid, you know, mixing guys in and out throughout the first, second, third quarters. And I want to see how they all work together, but, um, I'm still like I'm not 100% sold I think which is what you were saying Sean that we're going to see JaVale McGee like 82 nights this season. That's right. not kind of like I if that happened I would still I would be shocked because like Trey Lyles as small ball 5 was really effective and the, the way this team moves and shoots all over the court and and like I I want to see more of that. I don't know that you're always going to need like a, a rim protecting shot blocker um, that has limited range and limited, you know, playmaking offensive skills outside of being a lob threat. Um, let's see. Uh, Duarte came out and had a really rough game. Over uh, six from three, uh, I think he had four fouls. He was fouling it like nonstop. It felt like he had a couple of uh, really suspect turnovers. Is this just a a guy who played limited minutes last year because of injury and he's trying to find his rhythm? Um, Or is it because he's on a new team and he just hasn't learned anybody yet? Uh, Or was there, it's just a bad night. Uh, what, What were
4: you guys' thoughts on Duarte? Probably really all of the above. You know, like, I don't take too much from it. I think that there definitely is an adjustment to playing in the system. Again, especially offensively, very read and reactionary. And, you know, when one guy does this, then you do this. But that's not exactly planned. It's just if you see them move, then you need to know that that's what comes next. So I think it's just going to be a little bit of a process. I think there were moments where he was maybe a little dribble happy. Coach Brown mentioned today that he thought a couple guys were a little dribble happy. And I think that Duarte is prone to doing that sometimes. But I mean, I don't really worry. Like, I do you know it's preseason game one.
1: I think I think the only thing I looked at was. I don't remember him on the floor with Domas. Maybe it happened. I, I watched, I, I I was, I didn't watch the game live cause I was at the 49er Cowboys drubbing um, and was able to watch the game la- uh, last night. And I don't recall seeing Duarte mm-hmm. and Domas on the floor at the same time. And I think that's a, that's obviously where he's most comfortable, but he's going to have to get beyond that. Um, he's going to have to be, you know, build some of that chemistry with other people. And, uh, realizing that I just think last night or <laughs> the, the the preseason game Sunday, event, night. Were, Sunday night was just a, uh, just a really colossal failure of a night for him. It, it wasn't, uh wasn't good. And uh, it's probably a tough one to go back and watch for him as well. So um, it, the good news is he gets to play Wednesday and uh, kind of erase that memory and hopefully put some good stuff on film.
3: Yeah. I, I want to go down like, Duarte was probably, like, I did the good, the bad, and the ugly when it came to uh, our show on Monday when I was on the Insiders with Kyle Batson. And, um, it like, the good, like, we need to highlight, there was good in this game. The Kings didn't play well overall, but I thought the first team was, like, it was like, holy cow, look at this thing work, right? And we we talked to um, Mike Brown today about some of the nuances that Jay Triano has thrown into the offense. Um, And even I think Malik had some things to say about it. Just the cutting the off ball stuff. It was amazing to watch like the, the two, two handed dunks in the middle of the key from Keegan Murray. Uh, Harrison Barnes got loose like three or four times in this motion offense where these guys, they're literally getting the ball underneath the basket for like a 95% like makeable bucket. Uh, So, I thought that that was really interesting to watch. I thought the offensive flow of, of the starters as a whole, like, like again, Keegan and Harrison were like the stars early on, but it just all looked right. And in in, from what I was watching, did you guys see sort of the same thing with the starting unit?
1: Yeah, I thought, I thought there's not a whole lot to pick apart. I think really with them, it was um, maybe not as fast as they want. I mean, you could hear Mike Brown just screaming and screaming and screaming for, for some, for, to, for them to, Pick up the pace. Um, I thought, I thought it was interesting because we talked about the line changes, and when they did make the the subs, you got to see Davion Mitchell and Malik Monk play with some of those starting members of the starting unit. And I thought Davion was really intent on picking up the pace. I thought he looked very aggressive. Um, there's not, a, I mean, aside from them missing shots and just really poor transition defense, there wasn't really anything that that made me question or or go oh that could be a concern and again it is one preseason game but just wanting to see guys look somewhat cohesive um not get hurt and be able to you know look like a a little bit of what they looked like last year um was was really all i was looking for
4: i think keegan was easily the biggest positive for me you know he he did his typical three-point shooting well i guess he only went one of five but he had a gorgeous one that he made coming off a dho off balance and all that and that, you know the three point shooting's going to be there. That shot That perfect. one was
1: incredible. He, he looked off balance. I, mm-hmm. I I I remember him hoisting the first time I saw that because I actually saw that on a highlight. And I remember him hoisting that and it made me go, "Whoa." Even before the ball went in, I was like, is that the type of shot we're we're doing now? Um, the, it, it, that was that was very confident. Yeah, that was ambitious. And only that's the only triple he made of the five, but then he went four or
4: five from two. James mentioned the two dunks, which I thought were great to see. He had a really nice lefty finish off the glass, over the big, and he had a floater in there, too. So I thought... The floater, you know, I was talked, like, yeah, what? It's a little different. There's been a lot of talk about him putting the ball on the deck a little bit more, being more aggressive, more confident. There was one play after a timeout that they had him be the one to bring the ball up the court and De'Aaron joked today that he told him you better not let Pascal Siakam take the ball from you at half court again Um, which I don't think Pascal got the steal but he made him pick up the ball and yeah so I thought it was pretty encouraging the moments that we saw from Keegan and as Sean pointed out I thought Davion played extremely well too he knocked down two triples the shot has been a big point of emphasis worked with Steph Curry and his shooting coach throughout the course of this offseason and he's really been working on that and if he can improve that a little bit, then I think we could see a lot. He knocked down two, and he only knocked down two or more 15 times last year.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and and you know what's funny too is going to Keegan more quickly that that first dunk where where – (laughs) he didn't really blow by anybody, but you can tell that the defense didn't respect it. They thought he was like, I mean, the, the, the sea just parted. They just gave him a complete lane and he just went up and dunked it. And that's because no one thought he was going to try to take anybody to the hoop, thought they were going to kick it out. So yeah, it's great to see him have that, that, that want to push, push into the paint, take someone off the dribble. And it'll be interesting to see if the, if, if they crowd the paint next time, what happens then, uh, because I think he is adding that element to his game, and that'll be incredible if he does.
3: Yeah, I think watching both uh, Barnes and uh, Murray splash to the hoop, and then I mean they were just like doing their standard run through, and then basically like they're right there, like they just stop and like, all right, give me the ball. Um, like that's a it's a really really interesting wrinkle because there is a reactionary piece to it. What a defense does to slow that down as they they start, you know, tightening up around the basket, which will open up things on the perimeter. So uh it's gonna be a pick your poison type thing when it comes to the Kings offense this season. And I think that they're gonna be if they're they're not equally as good to last season, it's only because that was the highest rated offense we've ever seen in the NBA history. Uh I think they'll be close to that. Like I don't think that they will take a step back. Now whether There are other teams that take a step up, like maybe, like, you know, we can talk like a comparison in the NFL, like the 49ers offense is just so incredible right now. Right. We're watching them just demolish everybody. They put up 30 points on every and every single game for five straight games. But I, I think it's also like eight straight games overall. But that doesn't mean that the Miami Dolphins don't show you something every once in a while that you go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just saw that. So, I mean, that's a team that put up 70, but have a, the fastest players in the NBA, I mean, in the NFL. And that's where I mean, like the, the Kings could be equally as good as they were last year offensively. And there could be someone who's better. You just don't know, like uh, whether it's the Bucks, whether, you know, whoever it might be, uh, the Suns, like these high powered offenses, that might be out there. Um, let's see what else of the good. Uh, well, I I think we, we cover most of the good. I I agree. Davion Mitchell was excellent. I thought his three point shot was, was crisp and looked confident and didn't have this big loop and didn't have this weird, like trebuchet, like buildup, uh, remind me of Tyus Edney. What happened to him there? Uh, like just took way too long to get off and everything else. Uh, they fixed a lot of that. I thought that that was spectacular, but then we have the bad, um, the bad to me. Uh, I think for, for starters, like Chris Duarte was bad. Like he did the second unit as a whole, they were bad. Uh, and then I would also say like that, that's a lot of chemistry. Uh, the rebounding issue was really bad. And the fouling with, I mean, playing defense without fouling was probably as big an issue as everything. Uh, am I missing anything? Transition defense. Oh yeah. yeah trans- well, that's, that that's worst. ugly. That's ugly,
1: yeah. And you got, I mean, honestly, the transition defense, but um, you got a little pushed around a little bit. I think you know Toronto was very physical, and, mm-hmm. and I think the physicality was kind of sorely sorely lacking. Um, I, I I only mention that because I you know you you want to see things different in the regular season. I don't know that you're going to see them show that. Hand in the in the preseason Because obviously you don't want to get hurt And you don't want to mm-hmm. um, These games don't count uh, I get all that Especially coming from your your A guys Your, your starting five and, and, and maybe your one through eight roster players um, But I hope that wasn't Indicative of what you see And again I don't want to take too much out of the preseason But uh, I, I, I've heard Even though we haven't seen a lot of it And we haven't seen much of training camp um, I, I have heard that the physicality is is showing it, it like a, a new sense of life with this team. Um, but it, this go, this goes back even to Dave Yeager, Luke Walton. Can you get guys to be physical to defend and defend without fouling? And that is always the the toughest part. So sometimes physicality leads to a lot of fouls, and uh, that's the part they're trying to clean up.
4: Yeah, I think that's going to be an adjustment, right? I think we're going to see a lot of fouling early on just because of the emphasis of physicality. I think the transition defense was really bad last year too. So yep. that one was a big takeaway for me because it's like, okay, this is the same issue that you had before. And honestly, I don't have much optimism that this team's going to be that much better defensively. It's the same core. Your changes are really, you're going Terrence Davis to Duarte. You're going from what, Namias Keda to, to Alex Len, and then you added Sasha in there as well. And I don't look at any of those like, okay, now this team is just going to be so much better defensively. Like, they're just banking on being more physical and following schemes a little bit better. Like, am I crazy for not actually they're, expecting much of a defensive jump?
1: N- maybe. No, no, you're not. Uh, but, uh, but what they will tell you is, well, we showed the ability to defend in the playoffs we became a defensive team in the playoffs they found uh, a defensive spark on the road which which kind of you know of course it's when you win on the road your defense is going to look a little bit better um but again i i think they show that they're capable of it it's can you keep your foot on the gas and and it's weird because you'll get those moments where you're physical and if the fouls are up well then guys are gonna be like well i i can't play physical now because you know, I don't want to be taken out of the game or I don't want to hurt the team. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. And th- that's going to be a multi-year journey for this team. I feel.
3: Yeah. I think it's something too, that when you're trying to teach players to be physical, like these guys know, most of them kind of understand what physicality is, but if you're not a physical player, it, that's okay. But if your coach is demanding that you're physical, it's a huge adjustment. It's like the old Demarcus saying, uh, Demarcus Cousins things. It's much easier to try to cool down somebody who's too hot than to try to build a fire onto somebody that doesn't have a, a natural fire, right? And so, trying to force someone to be physical, it's a lot of times it's asking them to be totally outside of their comfort zone of who they are as like people and who they are as players, like their entire career. So, like I, I get that. That's like the mantra is that. We're going to we didn't make changes, but we're going to we're going to be different physically. The only thing I would say is like they did it in the playoffs. They also during the, the third and fourth quarters last season, they weren't that bad defensively. Like they can be a solid defensive team. I don't think they can be a top 12. I don't know that they can be a top 15, but I think they can get into the top 20. Uh, they finished last year 24 um, but in order to do that, like we saw the physicality issue show up, like in the rebounding numbers, it was just gross. Like if you're going to shoot 10 of 45 from three, you better get some rebounds. Cause that's a bunch of long rebounds. There's there long rebounds should be had everywhere. And they even got out rebounded on the offensive side of the ball. I think, I think Toronto had nine offensive boards. They had eight. Like those are things where you're looking very quickly and saying, Hey, look, if we don't team rebound, we're going to get clubbed. And I'm, uh, I think this is part of really is part of the ugly. I'll just flat out like Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes, you, they just can't have zero rebounds. That's just not the way it goes. I mean, that we're talking about Coke machine stuff right here. We're, I mean, straight up. We're talking about Derek Williams type stuff. We're talking about what's the Manny, the mannequin. Manny, the mannequin can get more than one rebound if you just set him underneath the basket. And so I, I was really surprised that that wasn't an emphasis uh, coming into uh, the season that those guys were going to hit the, the boards harder than they did before, because that's why you lost in the playoffs. I mean, you lost because Steph went for 50-something, but you also lost because you couldn't get any rebounds in crunch time. And like, there it is. It's just sitting there right there to to be an issue again. So if we don't see a change from, from Keegan, from Harrison, and then from everyone else who steps on the court, uh, this team is going to have some problems there. Am, am I crazy?
1: No, I mean, they need a rebounder, you know, and you would like one of them to be one of either Keegan or Harrison. Um, you could probably throw Trey Lyles into that mix a, as well. You have yeah. just a bunch of guys in those positions that don't rebound. It's not like Sasha Vezinkoff is going to um, rebound either. So uh, even though he grabbed a few <laughs> on Sunday night. so Because he outsmarted
3: uh, everyone. You saw that. Yeah. Like yeah, he, he, he read the he read the angle and was standing there. He got hit with the ball once, but he still got the rebound. But that that's something that like you can see the intelligence of him, like on the court. Like he is so so smart on the court. So
1: yeah, and that's, and that's one of those things where if you're you know Monty McNair and you're heading towards the, the midseason you know trade deadline where you you look at how do you add rebounding to this team without disrupting. What you have, the good things that you have going for you, uh, especially to have someone give Sabonis some help because he's the lone rebounder really on this team that goes out and and gets everything. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a challenge for them.
4: And the answer is Nurland's Noel. Let's just no, get not. it started <laughs> already. Just kidding. Um, I, I think no, to the oh point man, of Keegan, the, like, man, the answer is always Plumly. What are you talking it's about? True. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's um, always Plumly. I do think Sasha is an okay rebounder. But I think that you know if you're hoping for someone to get better at it, it's got to be Keegan. We saw him get challenged about it last year. He had six games with double-digit boards. All of those came in the new year, except for one. And so I think that there is some optimism you can find in him as a rebounder, but he's got to prove it still for sure.
3: Yeah, and I would also point like Mike Brown when when the Warriors won the championship two years ago. Uh, they had two guys. Uh, they had um. Looney and uh, Draymond average 7.2 or 7.3 rebounds per game. Those were their leaders. Their third leading rebounder was Steph Curry at like 5.3 rebounds per game. How they finished second in the league in rebounding, I have no idea. I do. It's that they all were together and they fought to go get boards. And that's where, you know, again, Davion Mitchell is not a good rebounding guard. He's going to have to be better. Malik Monk can be a very good rebounding guard. He's gonna have to be that, and same with Kevin Herter. He can. He showed it. Like, don't go out in the playoffs and have a nine rebound game, because once you do it, like, it's like, hey, where was that the other eighty something games of the season? So they're gonna have to figure out how to be a team rebounding uh, group. No one's worried about the three point shooting, right?
4: Absolutely not.
1: Not shot, but but. That game, you probably could have started to do like when it's not falling, sometimes you kind of want them to do some other things, right? Something else other than 45 shots. (laughs) Yeah. But they want, they want 40 shots a game, right? I mean, that was last year, that was the kind of goal for them to put up 43s a game. Uh, Having 45 just falls in line with that. But in a game like that game where you're playing so many different people, Uh, I think you could have uh, recognized some opportunities to make it a little easier on yourself.
4: They shot 22% from three. They only did that or worse one time last year. Okay. Not worried. Not worried. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, Okay. Let's get to a couple of um,
3: strange things that are out there. Aliens. Billions. Is that what you said?
1: Aliens. Oh, aliens with billions. Maybe. Oh, oh, that'd be great.
3: Billions on what aliens. Is? I don't know. There, I, I think aliens are becoming a thing. We're starting aliens. Like I don't know what's going on now. Balians is that I what tried. you tried? To... I tried. Yeah. Yeah. Smoother that. than that's mine. what
1: Beyonce should call her. It shouldn't be the beehive. It should be Balians. Balians.
3: Uh, wow. I'll talk to her I don't know. How, team. Yeah. I don't know how <laughs> we got here. I don't know how we got here at all. Uh, ESPN released their top one hundred. Actually, they didn't. They released no. 51 through 100. <laughs> and the Sacramento Kings had one person, Sean Cunningham. Can you guess who that one person was between 51 and ninety and, and 100?
1: I actually have not seen the list. Um, but I'm fun. guessing it's either Domas or Fox.
4: They're top 50. Not, of course they're top 50, bro. They're top 50. Be. We're talking 51 the, through 100.
1: The, I thought the disrespect from ESPN might have had one of them in the 51 to 100 category. Okay. No, this guy that, was then, closer to 50 I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say Keegan Murray. Uh, you know the
3: answer. You I know do. the answer. Yeah. Do. Harrison Barnes at and number 96. Oh, yeah. No okay. Malik Monk. No Kevin Herter. No Keegan Murray. Um, Who's the
4: third best player on this team? That's Keegan the Murray? question
1: mark. I still think that's a question mark Yeah, because it varies. Is. It, it's not consistent enough. I if I was if, to stay right now, I, in my opinion, it's Malik Monk.
4: Brendan, what do you got? I don't mind that. It's I, I think I'd go Keegan, but I think Malik is... It, it's between those two. I'm going to go with the guy who was the, best, the third best player on
3: the team last year, and that's Harrison Barnes. Until he's not the third best player, he's still the third best player. <laughs> Until someone unseats him, He's the third best player, in my opinion. Statistically and, speaking, yes. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, statistically, but like, he's the guy. If you need, you need to slow down the game. He's the guy who gets to the free throw line. If you need to hit someone that can hit a couple of threes, he's a guy. Sometimes, if you need him to go out and grab a bunch of rebounds, he can go do that. Uh, like, still, played 82 games plus seven in the playoffs. Uh, third leading uh, minutes per game guy on the team. Like, look at. I know he gets beat up a little bit for what he doesn't do, but like he has fewer holes in his game than almost anyone else on the roster. I think in a perfect world, Brennan, you're right that this year it's Keegan Murray. And if he's the third best player and somehow monk is the fourth best player. And that leaves Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes to fight it out for who's the fifth and sixth best player. I think the Kings are a much better team than they are like walking into the season with, sort of where we're at right now if that makes sense so yeah. um is that disrespectful that that uh kevin herter isn't on the list even though he averaged 15 points a game and shot i don't know what he shoot 41 from three? and austin reeves is number 56 on the list who averaged 12 points per game mm, or is well, it just I, I your guess... standard espn bias
1: yeah, I certainly think there's some of that, but it, I also I – mean, I'll have to look at this list a little bit and, and and see who you take off. Like, it was was that the one that, that screamed the most? I think that if you look at the way the years concluded last year, I think Austin Reeves took a huge step forward in the national spotlight than, unfortunately, Kevin Herter did. It reminded me of the season Kevin Herter had, like, two years ago hmm. um, when he got paid, so um, – you know, I, I don't think there's much I I mean, honestly, it's it's very it it's one of those lists. Someone throw they throw a bunch of shit at the wall and get people to talk about it. But uh I don't I don't I don't think it really matters. I think it's I think it's fine. I mean look, Austin Reeves is a member of Team USA. Um he's got a lot of you know, upswing right now. Kevin Herter is just fine. He's not hurt, he's his feelings aren't hurt by it. Hmm.
4: Um, yeah, go ahead, Brad. Yeah. Kind of scrolling through the list a little bit. This is my first I'm time looking it. at it. Yeah. Like Josh Hart <laughs> at 91, you know, there's buddy healed at 87. I would, you know, take Malik over buddy personally. Mm. I, you know, yeah, I think there's some stuff in here that you could make the pitch that Malik could be better, or maybe that Keegan could be better. Jordan Clarkson at 77. I don't think he's that different from Malik Monk, mm. you know? Um, Clarkson's good I'm no disrespect to any of these guys but yeah I mean right. you can Better definitely numbers. make the argument but I'm curious to see where De'Aaron and Domas land I'd imagine they'd both be De'Aaron top 20 Domas top 30 it would be my guess I think De'Aaron's higher than Domas though
3: okay yeah I think they're both top 25 I, I'm gonna like my guess is uh, that's a coin flip they might be just together like number 15 and 16 or something
1: Russell Westbrook's still in the top 100. That's a little odd.
3: He is. Uh, Sean, here's a, who would you rather have, OG Ananobi or or Austin Reeves?
1: Uh, I personally would probably rather have OG Ananobi.
4: Yeah, he's What he does defensively,
1: it's, it's, you look at guys, what do they do elite? And when you're part of the all defensive second team, when you're, you know, what, first in steals or second in deflection, something like that, I mean, that's, Absolutely. I'll take OGN and OB all day.
3: Um, Yeah. I I mean, I I don't even think it's, first of all, he's five times a defender, Austin Reeves is, but he's also a better offensive player right now than Austin Reeves, just because Austin Reeves did it for, you know, like scored some points and for team USA. I mean, again, he averaged 12 points a game last year. It's not like if he takes a jump this year and he averages 17 points per game, like, okay, he's a good player. Uh, And, but, that doesn't still put you in the top 60 players in the NBA. I just don't buy it. I mean, there's a lot of really good players in the NBA, and I, I don't understand the the uh, the Lakers bias here. Uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, I, I hope that they release 100 through like 450. So that used to be the thing. We would actually, like, Jeez. when I worked for ESPN, we'd all vote on it. So there was like 130 of us. They would have to turn in all of our votes on where we rank everybody. You'd have to go through and move guys around and write an entire list and then put it in. And then they would basically like aggregate all the lists, like build out a where they average and like drop them in to a to a, a giant, you know, four fifty. And then we would start backwards like from four fifty and they would do fifty chunks all the way down to one through fifty. And God, that sounds uh sounds like a waste
1: of time.
4: That sounds like it takes forever. Yeah, you know, just, imagine being the guy that's 450 and you open it. I wonder where I'm at. Oh shit. Dead
1: last. Wow. If
4: 451.
1: <laughs> Four yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough.
4: You're not on the list
3: at all. You're like, oh, what has happened? Um, yeah. I always thought it was strange. Like it, it's a weird way to do things, but they used to take it. Like it used to be earlier than this. So it'd be a topic of discussion, building up to training camp and stuff. Um, is it and,
1: is it weird to see, though, like you get a rookie in the top whatever and obviously they haven't even played a game yet? Chet
3: is like in the top 60. Scoot, sure. Scoot, Scoot Henderson
1: as well. It's, I mean, and I yeah. think Scoot Henderson will be a superstar. I'm just saying that like, you know, it, to have to rank your top 100 players, it just feels weird when you have a guy that hasn't played a game yet.
3: Well, it also feels weird to rank Cade Cunningham like as high as they did when Cade Cunningham hasn't like realistically hasn't done anything as a pro yet and i'm not saying he won't but like he he hasn't done anything as a pro he's he's been hurt like a good portion of his career and the games that he were wasn't hurt it's not like he like like was incredible so yeah i, I think it's kind of an interest i mean, get chet chet uh home number 73 cade cunningham at number 74 um uh, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, we'll move on to the business of basketball. Um, this, is, this should be a, a, a relatively quick one. Um, the Kings already cut Jeremy Lamb. Uh, we've already seen sort of like who the, the starting group is, who the second group is, who the third group is, and who the fourth group is. Kings have one more roster spot to go. Do you think that, uh, or who do you think makes a team? Uh, is it is it Jalen, Noel? Is it Noel or is it Noel? I was told Noel from someone inside the the Kings, um, but I, I didn't ask him. Uh, anyway, Jalen, the, the, Noel.
1: The, the pronunciation I had seen, because uh, I was told also it was Noel, but I heard it, it's Noel.
3: Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we've got him, uh, we've got Deontay, uh, Deontre, uh, Deontay, Deontay Burton. Burton. We've got chance Comanche. And then who else do we have? I
4: oh, that's, that's it. That's what it comes down to. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Do you think one of these guys is going to open the regular season on the roster? Or do you think all these guys are for Stockton or, you know,
4: whether, wherever they end up? Yeah. I mean, I think Comanche I'd have last there pretty easily. And nothing specifically against him. There's just a lot of bigs on the roster as well. Um, Deontay mm-hmm. Burton is is pretty damn strong, and I think actually, weirdly, can cover a couple different positions if he's able to uh, find a way to make an impact on that end. But I think he has like the physical tools for it, and is a little intriguing. We've seen him throw down some crazy dunks at a couple he's of these availability
3: 245. which is insane. Um, He weighs more than Domas. Is that what we heard?
4: Yes. Yes. Uh, According to, you know, NBA's weights. So take that for what you will. But yeah, I think he's interesting. And then Jalen Noel is probably, I would guess, the leader. I think that he does some interesting things offensively. He reminds me of Terrence Davis a lot. And I think Terrence Davis was better than him. But it feels similar as a player. It could be none of them.
1: Could be none of them. see what camp... Watches out with other teams, see what, you know, it's maybe they keep an open roster spot. Um, I
3: think they'll keep I, an open roster spot.
1: Yeah. I, I, it'd be interesting to see if someone starts out on the team and keep, they keep them around like much like Burton, who was with the, you know, had moments with them and uh, last year and keep him around camp. Obviously it's going to be November before Stockton gets underway, I believe. Right. Opening night mm. for Stockton in November. So, um, yeah, we'll 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 find out.
3: I I think like if they were gonna keep one, I would have like my early money would have been on Noel. But at this point, I don't know. Like Deon uh, Deontay Burton, he just has something about him that is intriguing and he can shoot the three. He does highlight real, like fierce dunks, like the the dunks like almost rip down the backboard dunks, right? Um I don't know. I like the Kings kept Chima Moneki last year and, you know, just sort of a similar type of player, like a hustle guy. Although uh, Burton is a more refined shooter than Chima. So I don't know. Maybe they, I, I think they keep nobody. If they keep anybody, that's who I'm leaning towards, but I don't know, we'll have to see. Um,
1: I thought your business of basketball was going to be your uh, GM survey. Where they See, I didn't, I didn't labeled I Jordy get. Fernandez still on the Denver Nuggets coaching
4: staff. <laughs> they changed
3: it pretty uh, quick. Yeah. They changed it despite quick. Being,
1: right. Despite being the number one choice for future head coach.
3: Well, I think he's the number one head co- uh, head coaching option right now. Like, if yeah. there's a coach hired uh, fired during the season early, I would expect Jordy to get some uh, traction there. And then this offseason, I don't think there's any way that Jordy Fernandez is on this uh, coaching staff after this year. Like at what he's done with Team Canada and all that. I mean, yeah, I think he's the next in line. Uh, we do have some sad news. Uh, our our friend Michael Malone, uh, head coach of the Sacramento Kings in the 2000, what 13, 14 and 14,15 started 1415. His father, Brendan, uh, Malone, the legendary assistant, uh, defensive like genius, uh, passed away today at the age of 81. So I want to send a bunch of love and support out to the Malone family. Uh, He wasn't here very long in Sacramento. Brendan wasn't. Um, He did show up uh, during Michael's first training camp when he got his first NBA head coaching job and uh, was with the team, I don't know, maybe a month. Um, And then said, yeah, I got to get home. I can't do this. Uh, But he always seemed like a cool dude. Um, I don't know. Talked to him maybe once or twice, but. Uh, yeah just so send love out to the Malones. Um outside of that uh great name by the way. Yeah, Brendan.
1: Malone yeah. you mean? Yeah. Oh. You, you, not the Brendan. All of the above, all of the above. I got you.
3: All right. All right. Uh yeah, uh do you guys have anything else?
1: Well, I I mean I I was just I didn't know if anything in the struck you guys as odd in the uh GM survey. Oh, um, I hadn't got to it yet. I'm sorry. Oh, you hadn't got to it. Okay. maybe We'll save that for next time. But yeah, there's some interesting things there. I just, um, you know, the Kings being able to kind of inch up on on home court advantage, I thought was interesting. Mike Brown having the best offense, but that'll be kind of fun to kind of pick apart once uh, you guys get a chance to roll through it. But um, GM's given Sacramento some love, showing that, that they're a fun team to watch and uh, have high expectations for them. So that's a good thing.
4: There were three categories that they led some Sacramento King member led. Uh, Sean mentioned two of them, which head coach runs the best offense. Mike Brown, 33% of the vote. Who's the best assistant coach in the NBA? Jordy Fernandez, 31%. And reclaiming his throne as fastest player with the ball after John Morant won last year is De'Aaron Fox with 57%. A couple other things I remember in there is like Sasha got a vote or two for rookie of the year. And I I believe that GMs can't vote for their own guys. So kind of interesting there. And he was like, it was just a tiny bit of the vote. But also Mike Brown was shouted out for which head coast runs the best defense just at the end of it there. And, um, yeah, that's all I'm remembering off the top of my head, the couple that Sean mentioned as well. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, piece. I, I always like
3: the, the GM poll, too. I need to go through it. Um, you know, the one thing I did here, the Kings are picked to finish seventh in the West behind every Pacific Division team. Um,
1: interesting should put them in the uh, play-in tournament
3: that's uh yeah that's in the the back end the the top end of the play-in tournament um
4: i think All that's right. what we're going to be talking about a lot throughout the course of this year is like just stay top six
2: yeah right
1: i agree i mean and that's that's i i expect them to do that i mean like i said i think that they can fall from three um and and i've said many times i think they'll have more success than they did last year even in the playoffs, by even even with doing that, but um, they need to stay out of the play in tournament, in my opinion. And just to kind of clean that up too, because the way it would all have worked out, one through at least seven in that regard, just to kind of, it would be Denver, Phoenix, Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, uh, Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Kings tied for seventh. Okay. Interesting. But-
4: Kings 5%. did. The interesting
1: part is, Kings did get thirteen percent of the fourth place votes, and New Orleans only got three percent of the fourth place vote. But they also got a three percent for a second place vote. Hmm. And I think that's what put them. Okay.
3: So I'm intrigued. I, yeah, I, I'm gonna. We'll do predictions later on, like right before the season starts. But right. I have a feeling this team's gonna win a lot more games than people think they are. I do. I think this is going to be one of those teams that sneaks up on people early on and uh, picks up a bunch of early wins when other teams are figuring things out. So just my opinion. We'll get to it uh, as we get closer to the season. All right, we're cranking things up here. Uh, That's the way it goes. Training camp isn't over, uh, but uh, everything else is in full force. We now, it's, it's just preseason. It's just a bunch of practice and preseason. Kings take on the Lakers tomorrow night. It is televised. I'm not sure where. Is it NBA TV? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh and then, all of
1: them from here on out are televised outside the stream. They
3: they are. They're all televised from here on out. Uh I want to give uh mad props to Gary Gerald for calling the game nothing better than listening to Gary Gerald call a Sacramento Kings game. Uh, which so if you watch the stream, that's what you got to hear. It was the the beautiful voice of Gary Gerald, who will be back again for I think this is season thirty-nine. I want to say it's also there's some debate over whether this is the (laughs) hundredth year of the franchise, which is one of the funnest things to watch play out between our friend Jason Anderson and Kings uh, media relations. Um, There's there's a battle brewing over whether this is the hundredth year of Sacramento Kings basketball or whether it was last year and they missed it. uh, And now they're trying to figure it out. They're calling it the hundredth year. So I'm going to call it the hundredth year. All right. The 100th year. The 100 years of Sacramento Kings basketball, like the 100-year storm. Um, Okay, do you guys have any final thoughts? We haven't done this in so long. Final thoughts.
4: First of all, bang, bang, them Niners. Whooped ass. I love to see it. (laughs) I love to see it. I have family that is Cowboys fans. My little brother, who's seven, is you know, some, a lot of my family's trying to convince him to be a Cowboys fan. And I'm really pushing for him to be a Niners fan. And I keep telling him every time they play, whatever team wins, you got to be a fan of it. And he'll ride with them for about a day. I'll tell him certain shit to talk and he'll repeat it. And then he'll go back to the Cowboys. So I loved to see that win. And the other thing I'll say is San Antonio OKC playing the other night was really, really fun to watch. Uh, Chet Holmgren, Victor womenyama two guys that are just, freaks when it comes to their build and way that they're able to move at that size, both dropped 20 balls and had a little fun back and forth. So and they flex on one another. They did it, which it, yeah, it'd be like me. It's flexing. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just find <laughs> the skinniest dude out there and flex. <laughs> it's like squints from Sandlot. There you go. Yes, There's Holmes. So Holmbrun.
3: I, I bought the 13 foot version for the audio side.
1: Yeah, tell your audio listeners what the hell that is. The just,
3: audio just, listeners, uh, I have a 13-foot Jack the Skeleton King. Uh, Jack Skeleton. Is it Jack Skeleton?
1: Skele- uh, Skeleton? Yeah. Jack it's Skeleton. It's from Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah?
3: yeah? Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. But we, so the last couple of years we've had, uh, we have Jack and we have Sally that are animated, and but they're huh. about, Sally's about six foot tall and Jack is about six foot six. And then we have Oogie Boogie. So and he's Oogie Boogie's a bad guy. And Is that, oh, I thought that uh, was another, I know.
1: thought that was another nickname for JaVale McGee that we, <laughs> we didn't touch on.
3: That you, We didn't know. Um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we now have uh, replaced the six foot six version of Jack with a, a, a 13 foot version. Like it's ridiculously huge.
1: Well, what's that set you back there? What's
3: that set
1: you back there? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't mind is, me asking. It, it's so, gonna be up for what, like 25 days?
3: No. Okay, so that's oh, the secret to buying Nightmare before Christmas, guys. You throw a Santa hat on them and you can mm. run them all the way through the all the way through the holidays. All the way through the holidays, Sean.
1: You're playing chess when we're playing checkers. Seriously, that's, what's that go for, for though? Right.
3: Uh the big guy there, I think was 350
1: i'll stop it
3: yeah i think 353 they they came out and like i've had it for two months so shout out to john bull me and john bull uh we we both are huge nightmare before christmas fans and this is something that we do plus the... the most
1: expensive decoration you've ever bought
3: me yeah yeah Yeah, probably. Like, I I don't know. We don't, we, we we go all out for (laughs) Christmas. We go all out for, um, for Halloween. My wife keeps wanting to like pay somebody to put lights on the house. And I'm like, no, we can't do that.
1: Griswold and falling off the roof.
3: Well, that, and my roof in the front is 30 feet tall. So it's like, I, I ain't going up there. It doesn't matter. I can't Griswold and the Griswold
1: family. Brendan was a national lampoon's Christmas vacation. So. Yeah, I actually needed vacation. that explanation. Yeah, I needed that one. What? Like Chevy Chase? He has never heard Chevy? any of Come these on. words. No. Yeah. Yes, you
3: have. No. <laughs> it's the, it's a gift to keep on giving, Clark, the whole year long. Uh, show, over I'll show you. Yeah. Can't uh, see
1: the uh, line. Kenny Rice. Sean. Can he, Russ?
3: Sean, <laughs> Sean loves when I do. It's not that line that he loves. It's it's the line from, from Tombstone. Tombstone that he loves.
1: It's a like very random.
3: Cards, my brother, my brother's fucking kids. Yeah, there it is.
4: Cool. There it is. Um, Again, Tombstone, Brendan. I've seen this one. The King's Herald guys were on my ass about watching that for months. <laughs> oh, so you I'm saw familiar.
1: that, but yeah. you didn't see life, huh? But still okay. no,
4: haven't seen life. But, you know, Jason Tatum getting a life tattoo maybe made me reconsider. We'll, oh, we'll talk no. about this down the line. Did, did you see you... his tattoo, by the way, Sean? or you guys?
1: I, I yes, I did see the tattoo, but I I cannot believe that an NBA player putting a stupid tattoo on his body was the inspiration for you to go, "Huh, maybe I should see that movie." If somebody likes the movie enough, say.
4: if somebody likes the movie enough to get literally the name of the movie tattooed on them, that's a, you know, that's a good sell. All I can say, we're back. This is we
3: are back. <laughs> the Kings Beat podcast is back. So, we're back to arguing about stupid movies and life Hell has yeah. come up yet again. Um, all right. That's going to do it. That's going to be a wrap. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Kings beat podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe, make sure to follow Brendan on his new adventure and his new job. Uh, and out of respect for that new job. We don't mention said job. You can figure out what Brendan <laughs> is doing. Uh, big... to my people. Exactly. I can mention Uh, it. (laughs) Big a big shout out to Sean Cunningham and all the work he's doing over at Fox 40. Make sure you guys are going to Fox 40 and watching all of the videos. His videos are much better than my videos. Not the ones on Twitter. I think my audio is better there, but his regular videos are way better than mine because his camera rocks. Uh and uh make sure to uh to drop by and visit me and Kyle Madsen on the insiders from 10 to noon, Monday through Friday on ESPN 1320. Uh, So that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings podcast. We'll be back either later this week or early next week. We're still figuring this thing out as we're all managing new jobs and new lives and all kinds of the craziness. Uh, But for Fox 40, Sean Cunningham and a brand new notes from the Kings Pulse podcast. I'm James Ham, King's inside of Rio Spend 1320 and Kings Beat. See ya!